Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's Picks for the Massachusetts Republican State Committee. Vote Tuesday, March 5th to keep the mass GOP alive. To see Howie's Picks, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on the banner. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. During that last break, I was thinking about having lunch, Jared. But then I saw Joe Biden was at the podium. And I love you all so much. And I, I don't want the listeners to ever feel like they have to be tuning in to what the president is saying. Because I know it's painful. It's hard to listen to. So that's what I'm here for. So I said, you know what? Turn up the volume. Let's see what this guy has to say. And I, I will tell you, he did not mess up as much as I thought he would. But now what I'm seeing is there are reporters asking him questions. He managed to, to basically deliver the whole address. It was, to be fair, it was like 45 seconds long via teleprompter. So not a huge accomplishment. But he turned it over to the, the person who was going on after him. And then he made his way to his chair to sit down. And then just as I was about to say, he, he he's in the clear. I saw that somebody asked a question that, caught his attention, and he starts going back and forth with the reporters, which is never a good spot for Joe Biden. Yeah, no, it wasn't anything too uh, too bad, unfortunately. It was just they were asking about his physical, and he was joking. Doc says I look too young. Yeah, and he was telling him to speak up. He was like, you know, speak louder. I can't hear you to the reporters who were asking him questions. But no challenges to a push-up contest. No challenges to a push-up contest. I mean, Grace. When you're that young looking, come on, you don't have to do that. But he's out it's there. It's implied he can take you with push-ups. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's better left unsaid. Did find out Kamala's the guns are, too, though. Why She's overseeing not? the office of uh, the presidential office of the office of presidential office of gun violence or whatever he called it. Yeah, she's... So she's a gun czar as well. Add that to her long list of duties. Linked in updated. The borders are, the AIs are... The school bus czar, the Venn diagram czar, the voting rights czar, the abortions czar. There's nothing this woman can't mess up, and so they're just throwing everything at her but the kitchen sink, unless she's also the kitchen sink czar, and I just haven't been informed of it yet. Yeah, so Joe Biden's out there, Jared, and he's bragging about how much safer everyone is. Do you feel that way? Or is this kind of one of those things like inflation where you're they're telling you you're so much safer, but... You just don't feel it yet. They're telling you the economy's doing so well, and yet people aren't getting the message. Maybe that's what it is. We're all so much safer with Joe Biden as president. The communities. He sounded like Charlie Baker referencing the communities are safer. We just don't understand it. That's I'm the, chuckling. That's the part of having a Democrat as president that I really am starting to understand that my stupidity comes into play quite a bit. Like whenever I think, hmm, things aren't going well, I'm then informed that, no, things are actually going really well, you moron. You just lack the brilliance to understand, to unravel how great everything's going. And, and it's kind of similar to what Kelly Gertz was saying. You know, Kelly Gertz is out there, the mayor of Athens, Clark County mayor, out there telling us that right after this murder of Lake and Riley, 
that Athens is actually doing better than other places and that, you know, their their policies, they're actually not technically a sanctuary city. So he's confused where this criticism's coming from. Now, I want to go back to Kelly Gertz here for a sec because one of the one of the texters made this point, and I, I think it's a really good one. It's 917 said Grace. Well, first let me play the cut that 917 is referring to. And, and like I said, these are the sound cuts of the day. Fox is playing it right now. I thought maybe, based off Joe Biden speaking, that something would trump this. But no, Kelly Gertz, you are you you've won the day as far as asinine sound cuts go. So I wanted to play first Kelly Gertz explaining how the crime rate in Athens is lower than in other places. Can I get cut 13? Because oftentimes folks notice through the lens of a college-centered community, I've also included some information indicating where we are relative to those other SEC communities throughout the nation and the region. You'll note that we tend to be toward the middle or the bottom of the pack. Overall, a place like Baton Rouge has about twice the crime rate, and a place like Auburn or College Station uh, is about one and a half times less. So I encourage you to look at this information. Even if what he is saying holds up, I'm here to tell you it is not the appropriate time. Like whoever told this dude, go out and do a victory lap about how safe Athens is with you as mayor, you are horribly misle- misled, Gertz. I'm here to inform you. Somebody steered you in the wrong direction. That was not the way to handle this. So you're telling me she would have been murdered twice if she was at LSU? Well, 917 says, Grace, imagine if George Floyd's murder had been dismissed because there are a lot of police departments with worse records of brutality than the Minneapolis PD. It's a great Spot point. on. Jared, it's a great point, and you know what it actually ties us back to, which I was going to totally forget this because, I mean, there's just so many things out there. But yesterday we were talking all about Katie Porter, congresswoman from California. She's crossing her fingers that she'll be senator. I don't think that's ever going to happen, at least not in this upcoming election. Who knows when she's pushing 95 like all the rest of these people, maybe she'll become senator. But she was on um, CNN. Can we play this cut, Jared? I know that it's from yesterday, so I'll give you a second. But Congressman Katie Porter goes on CNN with Aaron Burnett, and they're talking about the murder of Lake and Riley, this 22-year-old nursing student. And take a listen to what Katie Porter had to say. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Now, people on Twitter have pointed out, because yesterday, Jared, we played that cut a lot. That was the Gertz of yesterday. She's been out Gertz today. And... We were making the point, a lot of callers are making the point, that this isn't the same way Democrats handle, you know, shootings. It's not the same way they handle COVID. We know that. And in fact, something we constantly heard was, even if it saves one life, like shut everything down, change everything, change the law, throw out the Constitution, if it has even the possibility, hypothetically, of saving one life. That used to be the Democrat way. Now we're hearing, well, one incident shouldn't shape 
public policy. And A2100, because I want to give credit here, it's at America2100 on Twitter. This is the person who screenshotted this. Said, when George Floyd died, Katie Porter claimed that Congress had to address an epidemic of police brutality. Now, Lake and Riley has been murdered. And suddenly, Katie Porter is opposed, she's opposed to shaping policy around one incident. And that one incident, by the way, is the murder of Lake and Riley. Because the key here to be a Democrat is to use very vague terms when it, when it suits you. So you say one incident. You don't want to say, oh, this young girl who was on a run got her skull brutally bashed in. So you just say one incident shouldn't shape our policy. You really say a whole lot of nothing with that, right? You hear that sentence. It's almost like gender-affirming health care. You're like, what are we even talking about? One incident shouldn't shape our policy. You, you might think she's talking about like an HR issue or something. Or, or uh, oh, COVID policy. She's talking about how a young woman was murdered on a run because our elected officials have made it so that law enforcement can't do their jobs and no one can really enforce the law on the border. And what we're seeing in Georgia is it trickles out way further than just Texas. This is happening everywhere. 844-500-4242. But I really like that text from 917. Imagine if George Floyd's murder had been dismissed because there are a lot of police departments with worse records of brutality than the Minneapolis PD. The part of this that always confuses me, when whether you're talking about the Mayor Gertz or you're talking about Katie Porter, is how would they... Is this what you would say if Lake and Riley's parents were in front of you? Because I know that seems dramatic, but it should be your bar. Like, would you feel comfortable saying these obnoxious, repugnant things in front of her parents? Probably not. I I don't think Gertz would go out there and say, well, technically, our town is a lot safer than the town next door. I don't know who's giving people the green light on these things. 844-500-4242. Hey, by the way, one other thing, a little bit of good news for you today, because I know it's been... A heavier news day than usual. Joe Biden is, he's got a pretty jam-packed schedule the next couple days. And what I mean by that is he has maybe one thing per weekday on his schedule. And on March 12th, he's going to meet with the Teamsters Union. And the reason I bring this up, because typically you're like, yeah, Democrat president, meeting with the Teamsters, what else is new? But did you see that recently the historically Democratic stronghold donated $45,000 to the RNC. This is from Politico and has received criticism internally and from other members of the organized labor movement for courting Trump. So Joe Biden sees here that there might be an issue with some of the Teamster guys. He's a union guy. He'll tell you that with his hard hat on backwards. I'm a union guy. I brought hoagies for all the guys because I'm one of you. And for some reason, they're not buying it. They're they're donating. They're becoming Trumpers, pro-Trump. Um, oh, and speaking of Joe, one other thing before I go to break, and then we'll come back and we'll take your calls. During that speech he was giving, telling us how much safer everything is, he said, he started talking about all the uh, things they're going to do with the Second Amendment and with gun control. We're going to do this and that. And you, know, you know what the phrase he used was, Jared? The next time around. The next time around, just give me one more chance. So now he's in the he's in the phase of his presidency 
where everything he promised the the first go round, he realizes he needs to make those promises again. So if you're the sucker out there who thought, well, I thought that he was going to do this when he came into office. Well, now he's trying to convince you, just give me one more chance. And I promise it will be top of my list the next time around. Well, let's finish the job. Yeah, just let him finish the job. That's what he's telling all these people who want their student loans canceled. That's what he's telling all these people who want. And by the way, you go back to the Peter Ducey question. Why do you have to wait till the next time around? When you first came in there, you had Congress. You had the House. You had the Senate. You had the White House. Why were you waiting for the next time around? But that's what, that's what he's trying to sell people now. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. But my focus is just stay focused. Don't go anywhere. We're going to stay focused here at The Grace Curley Show, and we'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. question is brought to you by perfect smiles don't be fooled by imposters with similar names if you're unhappy with your smile you need to visit dr bruce houghton in nashua call 1-844-PERFECT-SMILE or visit perfectsmiles.com jared what is the poll question and what are the results thus far today's poll question which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com is the house gop has subpoenaed the biden her transcript will they get it no, they won't. Nice try, but no, I don't think they will. 84% of the audience agrees with you. They say, nope. All right, so Biden went out today to do a victory lap on how safe everyone feels. <laughs> yeah, you no, that's actually... That is the description of what happened. Yeah, he <laughs> went out... Description. It's like the times where you think, well, surely he's not going to come out and do do this now. No, they planned it for this. Like, they planned it. They're getting a lot of pushback for people feeling unsafe and people being murdered by illegal aliens and other people in this country and the lawlessness that has taken over the United States of America. So naturally, the geniuses, the best and the brightest, the squad, the team at Biden Inc. say, hey, old man, guess what? You're going to go out there and you're going to rub people's faces in the fact that you've ruined this country and you're going to gaslight them. That's your job. And the, and the wonderful thing about it is there's no one who's a better gaslighter than someone who doesn't even know what they're doing. Because Joe Biden can do it with such conviction because he doesn't know what's going on. So the part of the, the hypocrisy of it or the shame aspect of it doesn't even hit him. Janet, you're up next on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Janet. Hi. Two comments. Uh, someone said today that an increase in, with an increase in population, we should expect an increase in crime. And I think it's pretty sad to stand in front of a microphone and to say that we are bad, but other people are worse than us. Okay? It's pretty sad state of fears, as far as my opinion. Thank you. Thank you, Janet. Um, is she referring to the mayor and what he's Yeah, saying? Gertz. Yeah. yeah. But... I would agree with her on that. And by the way, um, Elon Musk tweeted out, Dems won't, and he's getting a lot of heat for this. I don't think he cares, though. He's one of those guys, he has this quality. Elon, Stalin. He has this quality, he has this X factor, no pun intended, that I am really inspired by, Jared. You know what that X factor would be? F-U money. 
and he's got it, man. He's got it, and he's been using it lately. What's the point of having bleep you money if you don't use it? If you don't tick people off in the process. So this is what he tweeted out. Dems won't deport because every illegal is a highly likely vote at some point. That simple incentive explains what seems to be insane behavior. It has become so brazen that a gang of illegals can beat up police officers on camera in Times Square, get out of jail for free, and still not get deported. Instead, a partly federally funded NGO bought them free tickets to California. Well, yeah, what was Howie talking about the other day? Some some people are committing crimes hoping they'll get deported back to their home country. And then Taylor chimed in and said, what gave them that idea? Somebody sold them a false bill of goods with that. By the way, you also have, it's not just um, illegals committing crimes. Well, that's number one, is that there's plenty of people committing crimes in this country. But also the shoplifting that is going on now, the gangs of shoplifters, the organized shoplifting from illegal aliens is increasing. And the reason I bring this up is because the FBI put out a tweet today about this. And you know a photo they used as a stock photo to warn people about shoplifting? It's like two young girls. Like that that's their idea that it's like, oh, uh, two 17-year-olds trying to steal a pair of earrings at the mall. That's not exactly what we're seeing. I don't think that teenage girls or 20-something-year-old girls at the mall with their friends are the reason why Target in San Francisco had to shut down or the reason why all, all these flagship stores are now closing. I don't see young women going in. You got to see the photo. I can't even explain it. It's like something out of an after-school special. Don't steal lip gloss at the mall. I'm seeing people go in with giant trash bags. Just worth noting. David, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, David. Grace, you had that woman on, and she's talking about so she stay focused, not let one incident change. Actually, Grace, I saw a report this morning that there was actually four incidents across the country in different states. So one was a four-year-old boy killed another girl. They're all by illegal, uh, very violent illegal immigrants and uh, not aliens. And, and so the thing is, it is important to stay focused. That day she trivialized, she's trivializing and watering down the death of that young lady. Enough is enough. There should be students all across the colleges, all across the country, uh, really up and on, because not only are they flooding the the country uh, with uh, people that we don't have room for, we don't have jobs for, and affecting the future, but now the the people have the students have a right to be on campus and feel safe. Absolutely, David. And you know what? When people say, "Well, Americans commit more crimes," well, we're not focusing on that either. Why don't we why don't we focus on that before we start importing people who are here illegally and trying to tackle their crimes? Just a thought. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. I just got called out, and for a good reason. Somebody texted me and said, you can say it. It's a picture of two white girls. Yeah, it is. Because I guess that's the only group where you can put up a stock photo of these two people and you're not going to be called xenophobic or racist or accused of anything. So you put up a picture of two white girls and you're like, you know, theft is on the rise, and that's okay. Although it does bring me to a different topic. Totally did not plan on discussing, but 
know what I always wonder? It's like you, you take a photo, right? And if you're in the modeling biz or whatever, and then they have a stock photo, they can use it for whatever they want. Sometimes I'll read stories in the New York Post. It will be about some funky new like STD or something. And they'll just have some person on there stock photo of some woman and she always has like a distressed look on her face a furrowed brow her hand on her forehead and i'm thinking imagine being that model like you signed up for a quick paycheck seven years ago for a couple hundred bucks and now you're on the cover of the new york post because you're the face of some funky new weird thing going around just just something i think about sometimes just be careful if you're signing up to be a stock model. 844-500-4242. Let's go to Ron. You're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Ron. Hello, Grace. Hello, sir. What's going on? Two quick ones. Um, so you mentioned the thing about Joe Biden saying the next time around. Yes. And that sounds eerily similar to when um, Barack Obama was colluding with those Russian envoys uh, saying that he was going to have more flexibility in his second term yes. right before he was reelected, even though all the ingredients were there for uh, Mitt Romney to win. But um, the second thing about Katie Porter is um, I think the most important thing to focus on with Katie Porter is that she said the most important thing to focus on was the policy and not the death of the of the young woman in Georgia at that school at the school there. Yes, the, the, the Democrats are like an anti-human anti. They're an anti-human death cult, basically. Yeah, she says we shouldn't let one instant shape policy. Now, first of all, like Jared said, let's go back to the initial argument here. It's not one instance. If only it's been. There's too many to count. Bill Malugin on Fox, he said, I can't keep up with these. They're coming in too quickly. I get a new one like every single. He's probably getting them every couple hours. So that's number one. But number two is let's talk about the policy. The policy sucks. The policy is not good. And I mentioned this a little bit while we were going into the break before. Um, I'm surprised I haven't thought of it before this. But the argument I hear a lot on the left it's one of these arguments you get used to from like moon bats with Trump derangement syndrome, people with the hate has no home here sign on their front lawn. They'll say illegal aliens commit crimes at a lower rate than American citizens. And that's supposed to be the reason that we let people in on mass unvetted. And my response to that would be, okay, so shouldn't, if that's true, we've got all these Americans committing all these crimes shouldn't we focus on that and focus on what we can control as opposed to importing a whole new group of people which as i said not everybody's a criminal or not everybody's a a bad person but why would you voluntarily say okay let's bring in all these people we don't have we don't have our own group. We don't have our where our own country with its citizens. We have enough issues here to worry about. So let's bring in all these other people that we can't really keep track of to add some more problems. Like to me, that's they're not making the case they think they're making with that argument. 844-500-4242. Thank you for the call, Ron. Really good point. So Michigan last night, the primary, Trump just trounced Nikki Haley. No surprise there. Um, There was no other candidate, like none of the above option. So uh, Trump beat Nikki Haley by 42 points. 
which is more than I even expected. And I didn't have high hopes for the former governor of South Carolina. Now, Joe Biden, though, had a really weird night. It says President Biden easily won Michigan's Democratic primary. This is uh, New York Post Tuesday night. But his support was impacted by an anti-Israel protest movement calling for voters to fill in uncommitted. Now, we saw this already in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, people were being urged not to run, but they were being urged to fill in a ceasefire now. And between that and Dean Phillips having campaigned there a lot, it took a pretty big chunk out of Biden's votes. Not enough to really like swing it or anything, but it it hurt Biden. But the difference here in Michigan is that in Michigan, specifically in Dearborn, it's home to the largest Arab American community. So Rashida Tayyib and other representatives and other elected officials were telling voters, go in there and vote uncommitted to send a sign to Joe Biden, to send a signal. We're not happy. We're not happy with the way you're handling the Israel-Hamas war. You need to do things differently or else we're not going to vote for you. And show them what you're made of. You know what I mean? Like flex your muscle a little bit and make them scared. So Biden had 81.1% of support while rivals Marianne Williamson, we're going to get to that, Jared. Do not let me leave this show today without talking about Marianne Williamson. Okay, I will not. I'm going to tell you this right now. I will not forgive myself if I don't go back. Light is all. I won't forgive myself if I don't go back to her. Dean Phillips comes in, Representative Dean Phillips from Minnesota comes in at uh, 3.3%. And, oh no, so I'm sorry, Marianne Williamson actually did pretty good. She was 3% and Dean Phillips was 2.7%. So uncommitted received 30, 13.3% of the vote. Now, for perspective, in 2012, when Barack Obama ran unopposed, uncommitted garnered 10.7% of the vote. I don't know why, but that to me didn't surprise me as far as like seeing those two numbers. I'm like, okay, so he got 13%. Barack Obama got 10%. What did surprise me, though, is if you look at the amount of votes, okay? So it says the raw vote, the raw vote total was even more striking, with more than one hundred thousand uncommitted ballots tallied as of eight thirty a.m. on Wednesday, compared to twenty thousand eight hundred and thirty-three twelve years ago. So a lot of people did come out to show Joe Biden they're not happy with his handling of this war. Now, I want to tell those people something. To all of the people who voted in New Hampshire, ceasefire for Gaza or ceasefire or whatever. And for all the people in Michigan who are saying uncommitted and for all the, all those people, you're mad at Joe Biden. And from what I hear from like John King on CNN and Joe Scarborough, this is bad news. Let's play Joe Scarborough here. Can I get cut three? If I'm running for the first time and I'm getting 59%, I'm happy. If I'm a three-time and basically a three-time incumbent, those are are the real warning signs. You know, we hear people warning about Donald Trump, and I certainly get it. He is a threat to American democracy. But right now, uh, 40% of his electorate is a threat to him even getting there. Okay, now let's, let's hear Brett Baer. Okay, this is Brett Baer from Fox. This is cut two. 
It's significant. I mean, right now at 14 percent, this uncommitted vote is led by Rashida Tlaib and others who are protesting the administration policy on Israel and the the war with Hamas in Gaza. Uh, again, we go back to some of these counties just very quickly. You see 13 uh, percent there, Livingston County 11 percent. But then we go again to the University of Michigan and you're at 21 percent. Interestingly mm -hmm. enough, Ann Arbor the specific town is up to about 32% for uncommitted. It's not a great signal. It does. It is a warning signal for Democrats. And as you get to the general election, they're going to look at the vulnerability there in Michigan, as well as the union vote that has trended towards uh, Donald Trump as well. Which is crazy because we know Joe's a union guy. But one thing I want to say here is we keep hearing, oh, it's a warning sign. This is warning for the Democrats, for Joe Biden. I don't think that's true. I really do. I'm a firm believer in Democrats always come home and they're not going to they're not going to not vote for Joe Biden. So I'm here to tell those people something. If you are furious at the way Joe Biden is handling and it could be whatever. If you're furious at the way he's handling the climate crisis, he doesn't care enough about it. He's not doing what he said he was going to do. He didn't pass what you wanted for gun control. He's not doing what you want as far as a ceasefire goes. I'm here to give you the key as to how to really stick it to the maniosis, okay? How to really send a warning sign, Jared, as bright and shiny as the bat signal. It's not good enough to write uncommitted. If you want to really get under his skin, when the general election comes around, you should vote for Donald Trump. Or stay home. Those are the two ways that I'm telling you out there, if you're a left-wing radical, if you're an Ivy Leaguer, if you are sick and tired of Joe Biden and how he's letting you down, that's how you make your position clear. That's how you send out a signal to this man, a warning sign. You just don't vote for him. Just my tip of the day for all the activists out there, and I hope you follow it. Now, Marianne Williamson also made an announcement yesterday, Jared, after this Michigan primary. And it's been a long time since I've heard from her. I'm a big fan. Ever since I read that story about her f allegedly freaking out at a staffer for booking a hotel with a shower instead of a tub, I just can't get enough of this lady. There's something about her. So can I have cut six, please? Hey, I have an important announcement to make. As of today, I am unsuspending my campaign for the presidency of the United States. I had suspended it because I was losing the horse race. But something so much more important than the horse race is at stake here, and we must respond. Right now, we have a fascist standing at the door. Everybody's all upset about it. Well, we should be upset about it. But we're not going to defeat the fascist by, well, by what? What is President Biden offering? He says, let's finish the job. Well, I hope you realize we're talking about millions of voters for whom they can't even survive unless they work at two or three jobs. I love her voice so much. I love how she starts with, hi. Hi, it's me. I thought I was hey, I have an important announcement to make. I have an it's like a transatlantic, it's like an old Hollywood movie star. You can't figure out what time period this woman is from. Remember an electric, light-filled, golden elixir. Remember that time she was asked, like, what? What would be the first call you'd make if you were elected president? And she said she was going to call the prime minister of New, New Zealand and say, hi, sister, 
or something. It was, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not doing it justice, but she, her call was going to be like, hey, lady, you're doing a great job. We're really proud of you. She's just the gift that keeps on giving. I hope she unsuspends her campaign for a long time before it goes back into suspension. And one other thing that I did want to mention here is that, um, as I said, in Boston, there was another situation. We keep talking about this, but it's it's the story and it's the, the policy and it's the issue that's going to bring down Joe Biden's presidency, if I had to guess. ICE Boston agents have arrested a sex offender who was recently convicted of child sexual assault after a Massachusetts court reportedly let him go despite federal agents filing an immigration detainer against him. And, you know, when you listen to Gertz, when you listen to these mayors and these governors and these elected officials and they say, well, technically, you know, we didn't do anything illegal. It's like, yeah, but were you trying to make it harder for ICE to do their jobs? That's my question. Were, were you making it harder for them? Because you should be trying to help them do their jobs. You shouldn't be conspiring with courts and judges and other people to try to make it more difficult for them to enforce the law. That's, I think, the key factor here, which none of these people want to talk about. When we come back, we're going to talk to Howard Lawrence Carr. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back on The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. So a couple of days ago, I was talking about inflation with Howie and how, you know, we're not supposed to see the price tags of things with our own eyes. We're just supposed to take Joe Biden and Paul Krugman's advice and in their wisdom and soak in the fact that everything's awesome right now. Everything's awesome and it's affordable. We're all doing great. And how we brought up cereal and how the CEO of Kellogg's had they put together this marketing scheme to let people know that things are going so good that you can eat a bowl of cereal for dinner. And so today I'm online and I start seeing this pop up as a story. And Howie, I would say you broke this. Maybe everyone's not reading to the bottom of the articles, but this has been out for a long time that Kellogg's great idea was to tell people that they can have cereal for dinner. Right. It was in the Wall Street Journal story a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, it was deep in the story, but it, it, it leaped out at me. And I guess it leaped out at other people a little bit later than it leaped out at me. But then I read the story today from, the, uh, from one of the other uh, publications, and apparently... Uh, Kellogg's has been promoting this idea for a couple of years. Basically, since Joe Biden came into office, inflation took off like a rocket. They've uh, they've been promoting the idea of eating uh, cereal for for dinner. I they, wonder... they're what they they're claiming they're claiming that a quarter of cereal is eaten outside of breakfast. But I mean, some of that is just little kids coming in and they just grab a little handful of it, right? Uh, of frosted flakes or whatever when they uh, when they're coming in from playing or something. I don't think anybody's like saying, "Hey, I'm hungry for dinner. I think I'm going to have some sugar pops." Well, you need to have a couple of bowls for it to be dinner. Like one bowl's not going <laughs> to cut it. Hey, Howie, another thing I wanted to ask you about has to do with Fannie Willis. So we we've been talking a lot about. <laughs> We've been talking about Nathan Wade. We've been talking about uh, Terrence Bradley and all these other um, all these other people involved. 
But one thing that I'm confused about is the White House. And we had discussed previously how Nathan Wade made trips to the White House. But unless I missed it, that didn't come up in, in his testimony during this disqualification hearing. Now we're hearing there were plants, Fannie Willis, there were plants in Fannie Willis's office. Can you give the audience an update on this and why aren't we hearing about it during this hearing? Well, I, I think they, I think it just came out that there's this guy named DeSantis, and uh, he's a uh, he's a longtime Washington operative, and he was brought in to the he was hired on January 6, 2021, right after she took over, and he he was put in as the uh, as the White House as a White House operative, and he runs this uh, he runs a consulting business out of D.C. that's taken in millions of dollars, and this is uh, I guess. Uh, prohibited under the uh, ethics rules of, uh, of Fulton County or the state of Georgia. But, you know, again, the ethics rules don't apply to them, right? So uh, he's making $162,000 a year. And then you have a uh, a member, a part-time uh, employee is a member of the Democrat National Committee, not the state committee, the National Committee from Georgia. And her husband is the uh, governor, uh, the lieutenant governor candidate from Georgia in 2022? So basically, they've got two uh, White House operatives in the uh, in Fannie Willis's office. And it still wasn't enough. It was no. I, that's what I'm saying. What, what kind of job were they doing? They were they're letting all this kind of nonsense go on. <laughs> Howie, one other thing I wanted to ask you: You've seen so many press conferences in your time as a radio host. Kelly Gertz, the uh, mayor of Athens, he went out today. He was heckled. He was booed. He was told to resign. I watched this, and I'm fairly new at this, but I thought this is one of the worst press conferences I've ever seen. Am I being dramatic? No, it was it was terrible. But but again, he's he's in a college town. They're, those rules are different. I mean, look at the former mayor of College Park, Maryland, where the University of Maryland is. That guy just went to prison for 30 years for uh, engaging in kiddie porn. You know, these people. I mean, the blue mayors are terrible in general. Look at uh, Michelle Wu, but. College town ones are on a different level. Howie Carr is coming up next.